traveled alone upon this lonesome way. My burdens were heavy and dark was my day. I looked for a friend, not knowing that he had all of the time been looking for me. and me for each tomorrow, for every heartache and every sorrow, I know that I can depend upon my newfound friend, and so to the end, it's Jesus and me. side contented I'll be for all of my life it's Jesus and me now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow for every heartache and every sorrow I know depend upon my newfound friend and so to the end it's Jesus and me now it is Jesus and me for each tomorrow for every heartache and every sorrow I know upon my newfound friend and so to the end it's Jesus and me and so till the end it's Jesus and me hey you want to know why the budget's so high we have to pay these guys an arm and a leg <laughs> oh, that was a great song, man. That reminds me of some old days gone by. That's an oldie, but a goodie, amen? Well, take your Bible, turn over to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 today. Boy, it's so good to have you with us today. Again, um, I don't know, the Christian life is, it's not always a, a, an easy life to live, is it? I mean, the world, there's a tremendous opposition today to living it according to the Word of God. Now, I mean, to call yourself a Christian is one thing, but to strive to live according to the Word of God is a whole other issue. And, uh, boy, I know there's a... I just believe today that you've gathered because your heart is to truly strive to please Christ. And so let's look at this today. We're going to look at an area... This is a simple message today, super-duper simple, okay? And it's not because you're so simple. It's because I'm so simple that I need to keep it that way. And uh, the truth is, is that we're going to see a wonderful truth. And you probably will say, oh, I already knew that. And you know what? You probably do know that already. But we're going to remind ourselves again of this simple, simple truth. 
Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. We've been addressing and dealing with our Reaching Forth series. He says, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Now, it seems to me that the high ideals or elevated personal expectations and pursuit of excellence that once once was embraced by basically most everybody has been replaced with somewhat of a sense of apathy or laziness, uh, even lethargy, you might say. And, And all of that lends itself to something we would call mediocrity. We've been programmed to accept less than perfect, if you will, to accept good instead of the best, to be content with just getting by. The famed preacher F.B. Meyer, he once stated, let us be inspired with a holy ambition to get all that God is willing to bestow. As God's children, we need to be aware of the tendency to accept mediocrity as normal. And the devil would have us be content with breadcrumbs when God has full loaves for us. He'd have us content with bread and water diets when God would have us feasting daily. We got to be reaching forth then. We as believers must reach forth. As churches, we must, must reach forth. There's more for us if we'll just not settle. And I want to encourage you as a believer not to settle for a mundane, mediocre Christianity. One of the areas that we must reach forth in is the area of souls. And today I want to talk a little bit about that. We know in Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the Bible says, And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground, and he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. Now that phrase, living soul, it distinguishes us from the animal kingdom who, yes, indeed, has a soul, but not a living soul. Human beings will live forever then. That's what he's implying. We will live forever. But where and with whom? That's the real question, isn't it? According to Scripture, souls are so important to God that that he literally came himself. He became flesh and he dwelt among us. He would sacrifice himself in our stead in order to rescue us from the consequences of our sinfulness. And boy, there is tremendous sinfulness in our hearts. We must reach forth for souls. And I want to talk to you a little bit about that. Now, it's going to be a little different than you think. I guarantee you that. But I want to share just a few minutes with you about that. We only have a few. We've had a wonderful opportunity to hear from our children today. We've had an even better opportunity to hear from your pastor. No, not really. I'd rather hear from the kids any day of the week and twice on Sunday, right? I love the kids. They do such a good job. And you're doing a great job. Keep, keep serving the Lord and keep giving them a good testimony, an example of what Christianity looks like. I want to see all of them grow up and be standing there in another 10, 15 years Amen. in the big choir, you know. 
So many of them do. Let's stay at it. Let's have a word of prayer and we'll talk a little bit about reaching forward for souls. Father, thank you for this time together. Father, I do. I have nothing to offer this thy people except you give it me. I don't know why, Lord, but I feel so unworthy to stand behind this sacred desk. It's not like I haven't done it a number of times, but it just seems, Lord, that every time I take my place here, Lord, it just seems that we stand between the living and the dead. Father, there are souls that need rescuing. There are souls, unfortunately, that are perishing, but Lord, we know that the work that has to be done is not us in our own self. It's you doing the work in and through us. Oh, Father, give me the words to say today. Fill me with your Holy Ghost. And Lord, may you be with every listening ear. May we take home exactly what we need so that we can be better for you. We love you. We desperately need you. In Christ's name, amen. First of all, we see the program. You know, the program of this area of reaching souls, uh, uh, reaching forth for souls is pretty plain. It's plain. Look at Mark chapter 16, verse 15. You've seen it. You know it. You'll say, oh, I've heard that before. Yes, indeed you have, and I'm glad that we have, and it's important that we remind ourselves of it consistently, but there's nothing complicated about this. Nothing at all complicated. In, in, in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, we're going to receive a command, and the Bible says in Mark chapter 16, verse 15, and he said unto them, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Now, in that command, we see the method. The method is go ye into all the world and preach. Now, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, because of time, I'll just read the verses, but it says, for after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God, it pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. The method is to go into the world. Don't just go to your community. Don't just go to mom and dad. Go to the world. Reach the world. Take the gospel to the world, he says. And he says, listen, you preach it. You preach. You preach. And we say, wait a second. I'm not a fan of all that preaching. I like the teaching. Well, listen, there's a time and there is a place for, for teaching, indeed. But there's also a time and a place for preaching. And can I tell you, according to the word of God, that the gospel itself is something that's to be preached. It's the foolishness of preaching, the Bible says, that saves them that, that believe. Oh my, preaching brings you to a decision. Preaching says, I've given you exactly what the Bible says. Now, what are you going to do with it? Where teaching says, here's what the Bible says. Oh, I like that. Now, that's good. Preaching says, here's what the Bible says. What are you going to do about it? Ooh, that's the difference. And that's sometimes why preaching rubs us wrong. And often preaching is a little bit more passionate. The method, go ye into all the world and preach. The message, we said and mentioned the gospel already. In 1 Corinthians, turn there, would you? 1 Corinthians 15, we see the gospel. It's outlined for us. It's described for us. Again, it's nothing complicated here. The command has been given. Without question, it's been given. The method has been expressed. Go ye into all the world and preach. But then we have the message. 
It is the gospel according to the passage. In 1 Corinthians 15, we have the gospel defined for us. In verse 1, beginning in verse 1, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you, here it is now, the gospel which I preached unto you, which also ye have received, and wherein ye stand, by which also ye are saved, if ye keep in memory that I preached unto you, what I preached unto you, unless ye have believed in vain. I didn't believe in vain, did you? For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that, here it is, Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that He was buried, and that He rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. Now again, the gospel which I preached unto you, and he says, here's what I gave you. Listen now, I delivered this to you. I preached it to you. I've given it to you clearly. The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel, as simple as it can be outlined. So we're given a command and we see the method. Go ye into all the world and preach. We see the message, the gospel. And then we see the mission to every creature. Every creature. Hey, that's a big job. But can I tell you, although that's a big job, it's not an impossible job. Hey, let's say that, let's say that we're going to build a, a stadium in Akron. You know, one of them big football stadiums. Now, I know that's unrealistic. But let's just say we were. Kind of like uh, Jerry Jones did in Dallas. A big football stadium. Do you know that the cost of those kind of stadiums now are, are, are almost, if not already, eclipsing $2 billion? That's crazy. So many, uh, so many people would be needed, right? I mean, there'd be, there'd be uh, so many needs, even. Permits of all kinds, multiple plans and drawings that had to be made. Not only of the building, but the parking lot, the landscape, everything. I mean... It, it's amazing. You'd probably have plans that were that thick for a building like that. Easy. Maybe even as thick as this. I'm telling you, it's unbelievable. General contractors would have to be hired, and probably more than one, but you'd have one that would probably would oversee the entire project, and they would ultimately organize a number of tradesmen that would be needed, carpenters, electricians, plumbers, people to do the fire suppression, the HVAC people, all those folks, and scores of others. That undertaking would seem virtually impossible to you and I. I mean, it would just be unbelievable. You say, well, I'm involved in, in uh, uh, I'm a contractor. Yeah, but I mean, we're talking about a $2 billion project. I hope you did a few large ones in your day because that's a big one. It would seem almost overwhelming. It would seem almost impossible because, you know, most of the time, most of us, not all of us, but maybe most of us in here, we wouldn't even know where to begin, let alone how to complete it. I mean, even if we had the know-how, we'd still lack the money, right? You can't pull that off. Hey, $2 billion? Let's assume that someone came along who possessed the resources to build the stadium. Although the undertaking may seem daunting, all of a sudden it's not impossible now, is it? You got the money, we can hire the right people. Hire the right people, we can get all the work done. It may take a lot of labor, it may take a lot of time, but it's certainly possible though, right? You know, the Great Commission is a lot like that project. For you and I who lack the resources, 
the knowledge or know-how maybe, the experience, it is impossible in our minds. But can I tell you, for the Lord who possesses all and even more, <laughs> no problem. It's no problem. See, the church is in building, and throughout the ages it's been in building, and he has orchestrated and he's organized the labor throughout. He uses us each in a very unique way in order to complete his church or building. Reaching the world with the gospel is no doubt a daunting task. There is no way that we in and of ourselves could ever even imagine being able to accomplish it. But see, the Lord, he has all the resources that are needed. And he extends them to you and I and to the local churches in order to accomplish the overall mission. See, the disciples had hoped to rule and reign with Christ on earth, but he would make it abundantly clear that that phase of his plan had not yet come to pass. Instead, the Lord informed them that they should be witnesses. And so he said, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and all Judea and in Samaria and under the uttermost part of the earth. It's interesting, isn't it? You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. This is just a simple thought, but the fact that we receive the Holy Ghost the moment we repent of our sin and trust in Jesus Christ seems to me to be proof positive that each of us is equipped as witnesses then because we have the needed resources, the Holy Spirit of promise. So we see right off the bat the program. It's pretty plain. So what's the problem? Well, we're going to note the problem. Turn to Matthew 9.36. This will go really fast now. We're going to move quick. Notice the problem. The, the plan, it's, 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 it's pretty plain. But the problem, mm, here it is. Watch this now. Matthew 9.36. Jesus again is speaking. Notice what he says here. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. So we have this huge plan, this program, this, this building, if you will, in construction. But wait a second, what's the problem? Well, First of all, we see the size of it. The harvest truly is plenteous. There are scores and scores of people in need of rescue. They're bound by their sin, but they're, but they're searching for an escape. Not everybody's searching, I get it. And we know that in essence, we don't really search for God. He came to us. But there's an element, something missing in their heart. There's that gaping hole that exists in a lost man or woman's heart that causes them to say there's this vacuum that needs filled. What needs to fill the vacuum? What's missing in my life? And he says the labor, he says the harvest truly is plenteous then. They're out there. They need the, the answer to that question. It's truly plenteous. We see the size. But here's again, we see the shortages. Oh, wait a second. The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are what? Few. Now, Jesus reminds us that although there are men and women ready to be reached, those reaching them are few. The need is 
The need is for far more laborers then, right? Now, don't, don't lose me yet, because you're, you're, you're not even going to believe what I'm going to say to you in a few minutes. Because right now, you think you know what I'm going to tell you. So hold on now. Don't, don't, don't shut me down yet. So the need is for more labors. More labors, more what? Harvest. In John 15, 16, he says, Ye have not chosen me, but I've chosen you and ordained you that ye should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it you. So we see the plan. It's pretty plain, pretty simple. We have the problem, personnel. We have a personnel problem. We see the prescription. What's the prescription? When I go to the doctor and I'm not feeling well, if I'm uh, fortunate enough to have something that can be addressed and dealt with, I get a prescription. The prescription is sent to my local pharmacy. I pick it up. I begin to take the prescription. I apply the prescription and I get better. It solves the problem, Lord willing. Wait a second. What's the prescription then to this personnel problem? You say, ah, here we go. Nope. You're not. Nope. Look at verse 38. Look at, turn if you would, Matthew, if you're already there, you should be there, chapter 9. If, you, if you're not, here it is. Here's the prescription. Chapter 9, verse 37. I'm going to read that, and then I'm going to read 38. Then saith he unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the labors are few. There it is, personnel problem. Here is the prescription. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. There's the prescription right there. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. We have a prayer request. In this particular case, Christ is making a prayer request. And boy, I'll tell you what, it's not often that he makes it to us. We make them to him all the time. But in this case, he's talking to his disciples and he says, listen, I want to tell you what, the plan uh, is really a plain plan. It's really simple, if you will. But can I tell you the problem? Personnel. Personnel's the issue. If we had more people out there in the harvest fields, we'd have more harvest. And the fact is today is that there is a real problem. So here's the prescription. Pray. Pray ye the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth labors into his harvest. Hey, we have created tool after tool to inspire and motivate believers to actively reach their family, their friends, their loved ones with the gospel. I mean, books and blogs and podcasts and programs and conferences and at times downright begging has substituted for God's ordained means by which to increase the labor force. Oh, come out soul winning. Oh, Learn how to give the gospel. Oh, you've got to be a part of this. Oh, we need more laborers. Oh, God. get oh, oh, you guys, listen. God's calling you. God's telling you, get out there. Trying to motivate you and trying to get you fired up on souls. You've got to understand they're going to burn in hell. And that's all true, but hold on. That doesn't shake a whole lot of lives, does it? We can preach it up and down. We can cry out to the, to the rooftops, but it seems that Christians today are just very apathetical about it. Well, I'm kind of busy. That'll have to be another brother or sister in Christ doing all that. But see, Christ is a little bit, a little bit concerned about souls, right? It ought to mean we should be concerned, but hold on, hold on. The answer isn't me getting up here and going, please come out Saturday. 
Please learn how to give the gospel. Your family and friends are going to die and go to hell. That's not the prescription according to the Word of God. Now listen, I understand doing all that, and it's important that we try to motivate and encourage people to some degree, but hold on. I think we've missed the whole whole thing. I'm convinced that we're, we're we're not doing what Christ said to do in order to increase the labor force. Again, I told you it's so simple today. I mean, we're guilty of trying to do God's job. But he's the Lord of the harvest. He will send forth labors into his harvest. In the flesh, we ought to, you know, we try to prod and we push and we promote and we persuade. And I understand that. And it's important that we do to some degree. But that's not really the prescription. That's not the solution. Oh, it may be a part of it all, but it's not what Christ said to do. Christ knew what the problem was. It was a personnel problem. But he also gave the prescription. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth labors into his harvest. Okay, so here we go. I'm gonna, I don't want to grab that big chair. It'll probably fall apart. I mean, if I grab it too hard, I'll snap those arms or something. So I'll grab one of these ones. Okay, here we go. All right. Okay, give me... Uh, Okay, come on up. <laughs> Two and three. Come on up. Yeah, come on up. No, just, just you and you. Yeah, you too. Come on. Come on, guys. Help me out. Okay? I, I, brother, I, I want you to stand right, or sit right here on that seat right here. I'll tell you what. You, you sit in that seat right there, okay? All right? I need one more. I just realized this. This isn't really good. Okay? Here we go. I want you to kneel at that seat like you're praying. There, that's good. I want you to stand right there. Okay, now I want you to look at these three gentlemen and I, and I, I want to make some, a couple quick, very quick statements. Anyone can pray. Everyone can pray. Do you know that you can pray seated? You say, well, I'm not good at this kneeling stuff. I mean, this fellow right here, he's young. He can get down there. He can kneel. He can, he can get down there. His knees don't bother him like they bother me. And, and when I get down there, I can't get back up. Well, you don't have to get down there to pray to the Lord of the harvest. You can sit in that seat. You say, once I get to sitting, though, man, I get stiff, and then I can't get back up. And I'm telling you what, it's gotten worse and worse as I get older. I get it, so you can just stand then. See, the thing is, is that sometimes we have all these excuses, right? But the fact is, is that Christ made it real simple. Hey, listen, you know what? There is a world out there dying and going to hell. You know what the answer and solution is? Pray to me about it. Pray to the Lord of harvest. You go to him. He said, I got a prayer request. Go to the Lord of harvest and ask him to send laborers into his harvest. Now, that's not, that's something every one of us in the room can do. It doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are. It doesn't matter how crippled up you are. It doesn't matter how many pains and aches and pains you have. The fact is, is that somehow, some way, whether seated, kneeling, or standing, you can pray to God. You can pray laying down in your bed. Here's the prayer. People are lost in their sin and headed to hell. 
Lord, send forth laborers. Send someone who will tell them about Jesus. So you're seated and you're going to pray now. You say, people are lost in their sin and headed to hell, Lord. Send forth laborers. Please send forth laborers. Send someone who will tell them about Jesus. Oh, you're able to get on your knees and pray. And boy, I tell you what, I don't know about you, but oh, I sure like to be able to get on my knees and pray. And sometimes I just can't. But I'll tell you what, that's where I do my best praying is on my knees. But let me tell you, we need to say while we're on our knees, people are lost in their sin and headed to hell, Lord. Lord, send forth labor. Send someone who will tell them about Jesus. He's the Lord of the harvest. You say, I'm not good at sitting or kneeling, man. I just almost have to stand when I pray. Otherwise, I get so hurt and so, so bad that I can't even concentrate. That's all right. You stand there and say, people are lost in their sin and headed to hell. Lord, send forth laborers. Send someone who will be able to tell them about Jesus. Thank you, fellas. You can go have a seat. I appreciate your help today. You say, I didn't do much. Oh, you did more than you think. What, what are we going to do, preacher? We've got to reach more souls with the gospel. What are we going to do? It's a church we need to be praying. Not just the pastor, not just the staff, not just those that are already going out. Everybody needs to be praying and saying simply this. People are lost in their sin and headed to hell. Lord, send forth laborers. Lord, send forth laborers. Send someone who will be able to tell them about Jesus. Everyone needs to do that. That's what the Bible says. I'm not going to ask you to go soul winning today. I'm not going to ask you to learn the gospel. I'm not going to ask you to sacrifice any extra time other than to pray. I'm asking you to fulfill God's prescription for a personnel problem. I'm asking you to take a little bit of time every day and just say it a couple of times, Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord of the harvest. People are dying and going to hell. Send somebody into the harvest. Somebody that can tell them about Jesus. That's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to do what Christ asked all of us to do. Pray to the Lord of the harvest. You say, you don't want people saved too much if all you're asked for is prayer. Oh, there's no better way than his way. I think sometimes we're just scared to pray. We're afraid of what God might even say. I think we just need to be, make our minds up to be obedient in this area. Pray. That's all. I'm not asking you to give any more money. I'm not asking you to give any more time and soul winning. I'm not asking you to do any more than that. I want you to pray. Everybody in the church praying to the Lord of harvest that will send forth labors into his harvest. On February the 3rd, 1943, A troop ship named the Dorchester was carrying more than 900 soldiers and military personnel across the North Atlantic. A German U-boat spotted the convoy and they fired three torpedoes at that ship. Only one struck the target. But the blast below the waterline fatally damaged the ship. In the cold darkness, the crew was ordered to abandon the ship. 
There's no hope. It was going down. There, was not even, there were not enough lifeboats for all the men. There were not even enough life jackets for every one of them. And there were four chaplains that were on board that ship that night, and they were helping to comfort those that had been injured in the explosion and trying to comfort those who were fearing the inevitable death. When the ship was ready to sink and it was close to going under, the chaplains took off their life jackets and they handed them to four young soldiers who had none. See, they gave up their own lives in order to save others. Now, can you imagine how you would have felt if you stood by helplessly while the ship slowly sank into the watery grave? Here you are. I mean, you've got a young family maybe or grandkids or somebody and all of a sudden you're, you're there and you know this is it. You don't have a life jacket. You can't get in a lifeboat. It's over. And all of a sudden, at the last moment, with no regard for his own or her own life, they remove the life jacket and hand it to you and beg you to take it and live. In that moment, you go from the dead to the living. From a pit of despair to joy unspeakable. All because one man was willing to die in order to save you alive. Can I say that's exactly what Jesus is doing for you today? If you don't know Christ as your Savior, you are on a sinking ship. It may not be sinking into the frozen waters today. It's sinking into a fiery hell. And I want you to understand that there is no redeeming quality in your life that makes you worthy of heaven. There's no redeeming quality in my life. We are all wretched sinners deserving hell a thousand times over. But in His wonderful mercy and grace, the God, the Creator of the universe, literally laid down His life on your behalf. He took your rightful place on that cross and he paid the penalty of sin, which was death for you. And in essence, he's handing you the life jacket. And he's saying, it's up to you. This represents life. Will you receive and accept it? Or will you perish in your sin? And this morning, I want to encourage you to take the life jacket that he offers. I'll die for you, he says. I'll stay behind you Go forward. I don't know. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior today? Because that's exactly what's going on. You need to put your faith in Him now, today, before it's eternally too late. And if you're a child of God today, again, I'm only asking what Jesus asked us to do. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He'll send laborers into His harvest. Will you commit to praying every day that simple prayer? A simple prayer. Lord, I, and it doesn't have to be exactly like you heard me say it, but simply, Lord, I know that people are dying and going to hell. Lord, 
send laborers into the harvest. Send someone that will tell them about Jesus Christ. Will you commit to praying something like that every day? Will you be obedient in that request to the Lord who made it? You say, how's it going to help? I don't know, but I got this sneaking suspicion that God knows best. And I'll trust God with your prayers only. Now, some of you already go out. Keep it up. But we'll trust the Lord to bring forth laborers. But it starts with us praying. Let's pray. And if today you haven't accepted the life jacket from the Lord Jesus, so to speak, you haven't trusted and received life from his hand, I want you to do so before it's eternally too late. Let's all stand, every head bowed, every eye closed. No one looking around, the music will play in just a few moments, but as we take our places standing, our eyes closed, our heads bowed, do you know for sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? Has your sin been addressed? Has it been dealt with? Has it been placed under the blood of Jesus Christ? Has there been a time and a place when you accepted what he did for you on the cross as payment for your sin? You say, I don't know about that. I don't have that one settled. I, I want to believe but that, that, that I have, but I can't say for sure. In just a moment, the music's going to play. I want you to leave your seat, come forward, and see Brother Kavanaugh or one of the ladies or gentlemen on that front row. They'll help you today. They'll help you today to see what God's Word says. How to escape the penalty of our sin. How to honor Christ in our decision to trust him who died for us and took our place. And maybe you need to make a commitment today, believer, even in your seat. To, every day I'm just going to pray that simple prayer. Every day I'll just make that simple prayer. Father, thank you for this time together. We need you, we love you. Do this work in our lives. And if there be those that are without Christ. May they settle their salvation, their soul salvation today. For the believer, help us to make a commitment to be obedient to your request to us to pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send forth laborers. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand.